Hi, and welcome back to Becca Babbles Podcast. I'm your host, Becca. I'm a certified personal trainer, holistic health coach, and future chiropractor on my way to figuring out this thing we called life. Now, let's get babbling. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Becca Babbles Podcast. I'm your host, Becca, and today I have a very special interview for you with Danny Sheriff. I actually found Danny through another podcast and she has helped me a lot when I was struggling with hypothalamic amenorrhea and she's such a calming and soothing person to listen to but she's also very direct so that you get things done and you know all the information which I find very helpful because I like to know the information and I just like to make a plan and go for it. And Danny is one of those people that just set you up for success. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I know I sure did. We didn't just talk about hypothalamic amenorrhea, which I found fascinating. I always love when the podcast goes a completely different direction. But just a little heads up, we will be referring to hypothalamic amenorrhea as HA because as I keep pronouncing hypothalamic amenorrhea, it is a mouthful. I promise you, if you try and say it 10 times fast, you will probably only get to the third time saying it and you will mess up. So it's just going to be easier for us to call it HA, just so you have a little heads up if you don't know what that means. But Danny Sheriff is a period recovery coach for women with hypothalamic amenorrhea. She is also a fertility awareness certified practitioner and is studying to become a functional nutritional counselor. She is the host of Hypothalamic Amenorrhea podcast and is the creator of the HA Society, a community for women who want to get their period back and optimize it. She is on a mission to free up the mental space of those stuck in the diet hard mindset so that they can go out and do their life's greatest work. On the podcast, we discuss the importance of being outspoken, the importance of taking time to play how Danny's past menstrual issues fuel her passion to help others with hypothalamic amenorrhea, how to peel back the layers of being an athlete to recover from hypothalamic amenorrhea, the importance of journaling, how to have the come to Jesus talk with clients and yourself, and much more. You can connect with Danny on Instagram at HA Society, or you can click on her website at the hasociety.com. She also has a podcast called the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, which I know is really, really long to type out. So I made sure to put all the links in the description so you can go check out Danny in all her different places. But I really hope you enjoy this episode. And with all that being said, I can't wait to babble with you next time. Okay, we are back. All right, cool. Awesome. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I just want to say, like, I'm obsessed with your accent. It's amazing. (laughs) Amazing? Yeah. It's like a hybrid. I don't know. I just think it's because it's, like, different. Like, you don't hear Mm -hmm. it very often. So you're just like, oh, that's interesting. Um, Have you heard me before? Or is this just new? No, no, no. I've definitely heard you before. I heard you on Meg Doll's podcast. And then I've... um, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, so. Well, it's nice to meet you. Where are you? Where are you based? I am in the DFW area in Texas. Yeah, cool. 
Yeah, I saw you. Are you in Dallas or? I'm in Austin. And Austin, okay. Actually, my business partner, she is in yeah, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. She's in Burleson, okay. so it's a little south of there, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well, I just, like, I'll start off with, like, a few, um, like, introductory questions, and then I just thought we would, like, dive into your story, and then whatever else comes up will come up. Sounds good. All right, cool. So the first question I like to ask everyone is, like, if you opened up a dictionary and you found yourself in the dictionary, what would it say? Oh. <laughs> um, that is, I feel like that's really hard, but let me try to not think too much about it. Okay, if you opened it up, it would say Danielle Sheriff, pronounced Danielle Sheriff. <laughs> um and she is a standard girl living in the middle of america with who does not fit in at all (laughs) (laughs) um and i say i i do my best to say the things that others are thinking but don't want to say i feel like Mm. that's the thing i feel like that's the thing it's the best I've got right now. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I think that's really interesting that you say that you say the things that everyone is afraid to say. Do you do that quite often? <laughs> yeah, you know, I just it came up for me in this context of our conversation because I think that um one of the things that has brought like our show and our work to you know, so many people's ears and they've kept listening is because we tend to challenge people's thoughts or repeat back to people things that they've thought to themselves, but thought that they were the only people that thought that, you know what I mean? Mm, So I find that we get, or I get that feedback a lot. Like I really resonated with you. I never heard someone say it as well, that kind of thing. So that tells me that a lot of people aren't saying a lot of things and aren't normalizing a lot of normal thoughts or abnormal but common behaviors. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Have you always been that way since you were like young or is this more like recent as you've grown your business? Yes and no. I mean, I think I make, I do have a history of making people like uncomfortable. (laughs) Not it, not just just in like it's really weird that you said that kind of thing um which is just me being like awkward and sometimes trying to like fill the space or trying to attempt making a conversation not so surface level it doesn't always land but then definitely absolutely um one of the main reasons that we are here and do what we do stems from like a single moment of deciding to share um something that I knew in my gut other people were dealing with and not saying so I mean it's always been there a little bit but (laughs) it has to be channeled appropriately yeah it's funny I kind of attract people in my life like that where they're just they're very outspoken or will say whatever and part of me feels like they're put there for me just so that I can like develop that within myself because I have 
a lot of those thoughts and I I want to say things, but it's that like little like space in between where you're like, hmm, maybe I should hold back. Yeah, I do a lot of um, discovery calls for potential clients with my business and I'll do that. I'll kind of get a feel for it and I will typically try to do that. And I think it's a probably a helpful trait when it comes to sales and it will either make someone be like, oh, you know, yes, like this is, you know, we just became best friends, kind of like this is somebody asked me or, and it's less common, but I will get someone who was like, whoa, like that was way too forward for me. Like, I think that this is too much. And I feel like that's less common, but yeah, there are people on the opposite side of the spectrum for sure who, um, yeah, I don't know, like want to keep boundaries around everything that gets said. Yeah, I'm definitely like, I I crave those like deep conversations, but sometimes for me, like if someone asks me a deep question, I'm like, oh, I got it. I'm an open book. But for me to create those, it's a little bit like stepping on other people's toes has been something I've been learning to do, which is one of the reasons why I started this podcast, because I can literally poke and prod at anyone (laughs) when it comes to questions. It's permission to ask not questions if you want to be successful for sure (laughs) well what's a topic that you're digging into right now like what are you thinking about what are you researching about anything in the world like completely anything question yeah super in uh, there's a few things but very into pickleball right now as a sport really loving it (laughs) loving figuring out how to be the best Mm -hmm. um very interested in like building carpentry DIY stuff that's new over the past like year learning skills on on those types of things um and probably reading new genres so there's actually a lot of change going on there's like a lot of new stuff um and in in terms of I mean I'm trying to get once I once I'm finished with the day I have to get off the computer at the moment so there's not a ton of like diving into research and learning about, um, you know, women's health and stuff like that, that I typically would be doing at the moment. I'm, it's taking more of a step back and digging into fun things. Yeah. It seems like that seems to be a pattern recently when I ask people this question. And I honestly, like, I'd rather, like, it's cool to hear all the different research going on, but I also kind of want to see like how everyone else spends their day. I I did pickleball a couple of weeks ago and I used to play tennis and I was, it took me a bit to like actually figure it out because I was like, oh, you actually have to hit this ball really hard compared to like with a tennis racket, it kind of just bounces off of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really like the technique of the swing um, is everything and putting like power behind the ball is definitely more important but like you can you can go too far (laughs) yes you go too far I mean pickleball is so much easier than tennis though so I think that's why it attracts so many people it's like the world's most approachable racket sport yeah what made you want to start doing pickleball uh, I, I didn't care at first, but, uh, we have, we're really fortunate. We have, um, courts like right down the street. Mm-hmm. So it's so easy. You can't not play, you know, and it's free to do. 
And we just, you know, got together with some friends and I was like, this is so much fun. And I can be really competitive and I can have this like really unrealistic belief that like, okay, I'm now going to dedicate myself to this and I'm going to be the best. (laughs) And it's not going to happen, you know, but I will act as if it is. (laughs) You like create that story in your head. I do the same exact thing. I'm like, I, once I get stuck on something, I, I have to be the best at it. Best. Yeah, exactly. And my husband's the same and he wants to be a doubles. He wants to play doubles, <laughs> which I think would be good at. But I mean, yeah, it's just like, it's fun when you hit it just right, you know, like just like in tennis, when you hit it and you do like a super fun rally and the ball's going back up, like it's, you get like a high off of it. It's so much fun and it's removes your brain from reality <laughs> for so long. You could just keep going. Yeah. It's very addictive. That's what I've always loved about sports is like, you have to be focused in the sport or like you're going to miss everything that's going on. Yeah. And it's so much fun. It's like one of the very few ways that um, adults can continue to experience play. Mm. We just cannot do it in the same way as children but sports allow for that, you know? And so I think it's really important that we have sports and there's so many options out there for people that there's no excuse. Yeah. Why do you think it's so hard for adults to like get in that energy of play? Um, I think in one in one aspect, it is just how we are as a species. Um, and I think you even see that in animals, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like exceptionally bad for us because of just like pressure, you know, there's so much, there's no time for play. Like if you have spare time, you should be doing chores or working on your business or being a better mom or, you know, whatever like belief system you have around what is acceptable. And it's just like, there are so few areas in our world that play is promoted in adults that we're so conditioned not to play that it's like counterintuitive that that's my feeling so I hope that we raise a better generation of players going forward because we just have come out of like a few generations of work 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 I I see that train yeah, I completely agree. How do you make sure that you schedule time for play? I, I literally will schedule it, but it's hard uh-huh. because if I don't do it like a couple weeks in advance, you know, I use a Calendly link for scheduling things um, and people will just fill it up and I have to, I have to put like literally put pickleball or whatever I'm going to do um, in advance on there. Otherwise it, it won't happen. It's definitely difficult. And I wish to be more, I wish to be better at it, but to the point we were just making, sometimes it's hard to get past this like initial belief, like I need my calendar to be as open as possible for as many opportunities for the growth of our business as possible. And this like fear comes in of like, if I put a boundary up, I'll be saying no. And I know it's not true, you know? Uh, like if people really want to work with you or or meet with you or whatever, they'll find time. But in my head, it's like, no, you know, leave it open. And then, and then you can add play in between. 
So I generally will just see where gaps are in my schedule and then add it in. But ideally, I'd be a bit more proactive. Yeah, I can totally agree with that because I have been I'm obsessed with like Google Calendar and I will figure out like, oh, what all can I schedule in here? And then I literally had a coach tell me she was like, where's like me time, like schedule 30 minutes in and then I'd find myself just moving it around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anything like that, anything like frou-frou feeling I'm like, OK, let me I'll just put this like reoccurring thing that's just for me, I'm not going to do it. And I've seen, cause I, I back, I used to be an executive assistant and I've done that for a few people and I'd see them try and do it. And it was always getting moved around or deleted or scheduled over. So I know it's not just us. Um, that it's like, it's like you become blind to it. Like you, you, you put it on a calendar, but you still don't see it. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just like, you're just not accountable to yourself. <laughs> it's like takes extra discipline to put like self-care or take time to read or go for a walk on your calendar and actually do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's simply impossible. <laughs> well, and then the question comes in for me, I was like, how much is too much? How much, what is too much? Like how much self-care time is too much or like how much me time is too much? Yeah. You know, diving in deep on that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, realistic, like you would have to swing real far in the opposite direction you know if you at all identify as like a high achiever a hard worker a perfectionist um you will have to swing very far in the other direction to hit too much me time yeah you know we as like the standard american is only getting two weeks of vacation holiday a year it's probably pretty widely spread like that throughout all of western society um in Australia, it's like four weeks for most people. And even still, it's not sufficient. I think it's folks. I can't remember anymore. But like, I just can't see myself getting enough. I can't. And there have been times where I've had like a less heavy schedule and I felt like, oh, I'm really like not doing a lot. <laughs> but it's not true because then you spend that time like, thinking about work and like create it's just I think we need I mean I think we need like half the year off honestly really that extra Uh do you think that's too much I don't know because you're also talking to a person who's a high achiever and that's a little bit uncomfortable (laughs) yeah it's a little uncomfortable but I think I think it's I think we're spending way too much time working way too much time I will agree that when I take time to like just get quiet or like step away from my computer, then that like allows me to actually think about like, oh, how could I make this better or think of a different idea on like, like I've recently been messing around with different ways of like creating reels and stuff that like are more true to me instead of just like pointing at like boxes around me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. First of all, you know, we, we, we will not be performing for you guys with my husband literally asked me the other day. He's like, please tell me you didn't, you haven't made a reel where you're like pointing at things. <laughs> um, and I don't think I have, maybe I have, but not anytime recently, but you're right. I've never had a good idea in my life actually sitting at my desk. It's mm-hmm. always been out doing something else or like literally on some kind of like camping trip 
or something. Um, and there's something to be said for that. And I have, I can actually sit back and say, like, well, I haven't had a good idea or anything inspirational lately. And then I can look back at my calendar and be like, because I've been in it, I've been in it so much. And it sounds so, again, like frou-frou. The only, you know, you can only grow your business if you like step away from it or whatever, but it is kind of true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when it comes to your business, I know you're a functional nutrition nutrition counselor. What made you want to become that? Um, I don't know if I ever really wanted to become that, but it was helpful. It, it's definitely just like helpful information and education to have. And I use that um, as well as being a fertility awareness practitioner mm-hmm. to help women specifically with menstrual cycle and fertility issues. So that's what it like. I wanted to have those credentials and that education to be able to serve more women who are struggling with their menstrual cycle. What made you want to like dive into helping women with their menstrual cycles? Yeah, just realizing, you know, through my own issues with amenorrhea and like the complete absence of a menstrual cycle. Um, just realizing that it's one of those problems that no one's talking about that is absolutely everywhere. And that is caused by a lot of things that are in our every single, every day around us, everyday speech, everyday media that we're being brainwashed. Like this is, I know this is like a huge jump from women with menstrual cycle irregularities, I wanted to get into it because I realized through that process that we've been brainwashed Mm -hmm. and it was just this like huge moment of like, oh shit, you know, we have had it all wrong. I like had a, I woke up, I was like, oh my gosh, all of this information about um diet and how bodies women should look and how we should be behaving around food and what we should be hyper focusing on and what we should be distracted by is wrong and not only wrong but deserve like a complete disservice and I just want like I couldn't ignore it really anymore I don't think because there was like I mean I don't know I just was inspired by it (laughs) I didn't want to ignore it. I was inspired by it. It was like a real, you know, we have every now and then in our life, we have one of these moments where we're like, I'm onto something. Like this is 100% something that needs to be shared. And it's an example of like coming out and saying something where I was like, hey guys, hey everyone, I have this menstrual cycle issue that's caused by diet, dieting chronically. Um, and I'm going to go through the reversal process of this. And just so you all know, you've all been brainwashed. (laughs) Um, And then that was really like, a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, this sounds like me too. Thank you for saying this. I feel so validated. And so I just kind of wanted to keep going down that because um, it was like the first thing I had done or said in my life that like really got a lot of traction and like people inter like responding to me about what was like one of the things that just like highlighted for you like oh my gosh like I gotta change everything that I'm doing like do you remember that moment 
there wasn't that moment necessarily, but there was a moment that was like, oh my gosh, it looks, it's, it's being suggested that I need to change everything in my life. And that sounds stupid. And I hate that. Like there was that specific moment where I was like, no, 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 they've got it wrong. You know, and that's how I, that's how I can say, I truly understand how people get brainwashed and, and grow up in cults and stuff. Cause, because my initial reaction to the questioning of how I've been living my life was, I, I was like, no, I'm not open to this other, this other possibility. But there was definitely something about at the same time that had me continue listening because the facts were I was unhealthy having done what I was having done what I was doing. I just wasn't willing yet to um, to realize or say out loud my pursuit of being thin or lean, jacked, whatever uh, is making me sick. That was just like too confusing. Never heard that concept before you know? So that concept is definitely the thing, right? The, my pursuit of being lean, jacked, hyper fit, uber healthy is actually making me unwell. That was the big thing that I unraveled more slowly because I don't think, I literally just think my brain couldn't compute it in one moment. Yeah. Cause you're constantly told like every day that like being smaller or being more jacked is like more healthy. Yeah. Like objectively, like it's not, you know, it's like someone coming out and being like, so math isn't real. Yeah. You know, you're just like, well, explain how one plus one equals two. And we all agree on it then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, that's how it feels. So you're having to really unravel like a lot of personal beliefs. And then you start paying attention to like thought processes you're having that you never used to question. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I assume you've been on a certain, a similar journey too, because you were, you were listening to Meg, right? Yeah. So I actually, I started with, I had an eating disorder in like around middle school, high school. And so of course I had, amenorrhea um and then recently i found out that i also have pcos um it started where i had recovered my period but then it was like it got really irregular you have like the high testosterone um and all the wonderful dark hairs and all that stuff but um so it's been kind of like a process of me unfolding that but i've definitely the i was very much the athlete mentality of like oh, I'm just playing basketball. And then like, then it dove into like, uh, getting really good at basketball. And then also on the side, I see everyone else dieting next to me. So I'm like, oh, that must like be healthy. So I should be eating this way. So like low calorie plus intense exercise and like wanting to be that type A good person, um, just fell in all through that. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. You know, I know sports was a big thing for you when it came to your HA journey. Uh, How was that like for you for like almost peeling back that identity of being an athlete? Yeah, I think it just adds um, a similar layer, like a a additional layer of complexity. But I think it's not much different to being someone who just identifies as a fit person. You know, like, oh, my gosh, everyone knows I'm the healthy girl. For me, it was very similar to that. 
where you just, especially when you get really serious about your sport and you decide like, I'm going to be the best year and you spend time like manifesting it. And every day in your journal, you're like, like writing, you know, in future tense about your achievements athletically. Cause that's a strategy, you know, that a lot of people will use. Um, and I used to do that. And so I was already like in my head, I was on this path at a hundred miles an hour. So, you know, it, it probably not dissimilar to like an athlete having like a serious ACL injury or something. And then being told, you know, you can't do this anymore, except that you have a choice in the matter. Um, in this particular instance. So I think that the hardest thing was like making the choice. And I see that every day in other women, uh, making the choice to do it for yourself and having to unravel like, well, why, why can't you just straight walk away from this? Right. And people like, oh, well, I just like really love running. Or I really love weightlifting. You know, for me, I, it, that's what it was. And like, sure, that's true. I enjoy it. But like, how could it possibly trump my overall health and potentially getting osteoporosis or, you know, all kinds of like significantly worse short-term and long-term issues, including infertility. I don't know. It was just like, it was just a weird thing where I was constantly, constantly going through, is this worth it? Yes. No. What's more important? My sport. Oh, okay. If my sport is more important, why tell me why? And having to go through that. And at a certain point, you don't have a good answer, you know, but when the health route has a pretty good answer. So you're just like navigating that and it can take a few weeks or months, or if you have an eating disorder, it can definitely take years. Um, but I think that that was just it. Like the, the challenging part was just like making the decision and learning and understanding for the first time, this concept of like, you can't always just have everything you want. Yeah, that's really good. I I definitely had hit that wall of like realizing that if my exercise is actually impeding my health, then my exercise isn't actually healthy. No. Yeah, like you cannot you well you can't tell me it's for health, which people mm -hmm. will. Be like, yeah. I just worry that if I stop exercising I'll lose health, my health or like I'm, you know, I have like heart disease in my family and I'll be like, babe, you are already you're on in the pursuit of avoiding one health a poor health outcome you literally have a health issue so that's not true it's a story you're lying to yourself you know which is intense to say but it's true if you are saying i need to keep exercising like for my health for my mental health it's like the it's like no it's just making, it's only exercising for your mental health because it makes you feel better about your body. And that's what you think is positive mental health. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. 100%. If you are, if you are truly exercising for your health, whether it be physical or mental, you will put what is most important for first. But if you are BSing yourself and saying, 
that it's like, oh, it's because I'm worried about these other negative health outcomes or like, this is the only way I have to de-stress or it's the only thing I have for my mental health. You're lying, whether you know it or not. Yeah. Did that come up for you? I think I knew pretty clearly from the beginning that this was all always just a means to lose weight. I don't have, you know, I'm like pretty much healthy, healthy as a horse otherwise, right? I'm that person at the doctor's office who I never have to check a single box for anything. Um, So I don't identify as a sick person. So I don't have that like hypochondria or that default to I'm trying to avoid other health outcomes. I just wanted to be thin. I just wanted to be thin and accepted and seen as the way thin people are seen, which is rubbish, but it's, it's somewhat true. So I wanted to be accepted and I was more weighing up um, whether or not it was worth having no period for that, that acceptance. What allowed you to like decide which one was most important? Um, I think that I had just just kind of noticed through lots of work over probably like six months that my whole point is just why I love going to well why well why well why do you want that why do you want that um at the end of the day I realized that I wanted to be special you know I wanted to be seen as special like the like we all kind of think that the lean fit pretty girl is special um but I had a moment where I realized like well actually that's just being the same as everyone else you know it's like hang on I'm just like in the rat race (laughs) where no no one's gonna notice me nor in the past have I ever been thanked or have I helped anyone with my leanness like no one has ever come and said oh my gosh thank you so much for how hard you work on being lean literally has never happened um and then when I went down this path I and the day I had decided to share was like this intuition that I could help people with this and I wonder how that would feel so it was like all really quite intentional And I think it's a, I like sharing this because there's a lot of like, oh, you should just do recovery for yourself and it doesn't matter what other people think. And like, while that's 100% true, it's easier said than done. Um, And a lot of us are looking for external validation. It's the human condition. So how can I get external validation? I'm not getting it anyway. So maybe I could get what I'm looking for by helping others. Turns out that's one of the best ways to get external validation um, is not by making yourself freaking perfect. It's by providing value to other people in their life and caring about others and putting other people first. So um, it became clear to me in that moment that actually if this is my true goal, I'm literally behaving in the opposite way. So how about I serve others? So it was like this weird selfish desire allowed me to be better at helping others. And yeah, that's, that's what so, made me want to do it. 
That's so crazy how it's like it seems like it's flipped on its head. But I like how you said it was like you were just running in the same rat race that everyone else was. So you weren't actually special. Yeah, I was never. And like, what's the most you're going to get out of it? Someone's going to be like, oh, my gosh, you're so good. Like you eat so healthy. Oh, my God. Like, you know, that is literally the type of praise that people are afraid of losing. Isn't that wild? You're afraid. Like most women are afraid that people will stop praising them for being thin holy cow who cares that is absolutely inane and it really i just realized that you know through consistently having inner dialogue and i've always preached inner dialogue a lot like journaling talking to yourself figuring it out is so important you will not do it in a split second you need to like listen to conversations like what you and i are having and um you need to have those conversations and really understand like where your weird hang up is coming from because it's definitely weird and it's definitely not getting you the outcome you think that it's getting you. Yeah, I um, journaling was something for me that really helped me like become aware of like what I was actually thinking. And I think part of the like magic of journaling is that you have to put it down on paper to actually confess it to yourself. Yep, 100%. It absolutely has to be um, said out loud and yeah or written and like faced and it has to be removed from your brain because something weird happens where you just believe it like you whatever thoughts you're having you just believe Mm -hmm. but if you write it down some like you might write down like literally your negative unhelpful thoughts but it's really hard to not see them more clearly for what they really are And I found it so much easier to do like reframes when writing versus in my head. So if I have a negative feeling, it's much harder for me to sit in my head and be like, oh yeah, well, but you know, positive reframe. But for some reason, when you're writing, it's just like so much easier um, and organic. You just feel, you feel weird being so unkind to yourself Mm -hmm. in writing. Do you have an example that you can think of how you like reframe for yourself while you're journaling? Yeah. I mean, it's always this exact same thing. You know, it's always like, I feel anxious. I feel jealous. I feel stressed. I feel let down, you know, because of something I saw, someone I saw, um, something I did, something I didn't do. But I know the reality is I'm actually doing great or that person I'm comparing myself to, I don't know their their full story. Um, It's really just like the same kind of practice over and over again. But for a specific example, I mean, I don't know. It's honestly been a minute. Yeah, no, you're totally I don't journal very, yeah. very much at the moment at all. Really? Wow. Why is that? I have like a toddler. <laughs> That's and a good a answer. Business. And I like, I have journaled, like, I have, I'll do like a minute of it. You know what I mean? Whatever is, if something is, is on my mind, I will literally have a notepad next to me and I'll just write it out. You know what? And oftentimes it's more about like, something my husband and I are going through or um, a certain way I'm feeling about business. 
you know, I can really happily say, and this is cool, but that, that journaling about like my body image or relationship with food, well, that was a long time ago now. I am dealing with much more real life stuff. And I like that. Yeah. I'd way rather be worried about like growing a business than like obsessing over when my next workout is or when I can or can't eat food. 100%. Exactly. And that's so like through recovery, I journaled every day, definitely every morning, sometimes every morning and night. And it was just the same thing over and over again. Um, Cause that's what, like, I didn't have a diagnosed eating disorder, but like, dude, I was on that spectrum for sure. And I would have to, I was actively eating more in order to restore my menstrual cycle. And it was so scary because of many reasons. And I would write out like everything I ate the day before. I'd, I'd like have to think back at it. And in the beginning, like I would write everything I had eaten because I was feeling anxious about how much I had eaten. I would want to write it out subconsciously to convince myself like it's not that much. Look, it's not that much. You can feel better about it. You know, it's not that much. Um, but then also I like it would normalize it over time. It was like normalizing it. It was getting boring for me to worry about. And I would be able to, to write it out and then be like, and this is important because I am, you know, Here's my why. I'm trying to get my menstrual cycle back, my fertility back. I don't want to deal with bone health issues. I don't want to be stressing about this for my whole life. So it was um, a lot more in-depth and a lot more complex back then. And now it's just like, hey, diary, I feel (laughs) I feel stressed because you know, Jake is yada, yada, but it's okay because we're going to talk about it tonight and all these other things that are good are happening, (laughs) you know, like to put it really simply. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you put your full focus on your healing to get your period back and like really dove deep in. Cause I think sometimes what happens um, with people is that they like, they get their period back. Like they do the whole, like all in thing and they like eat the food they rest but they don't do the the mindset shifts and then they just like end up where they were before so you took that time there and then now you don't have to do it anymore yeah so I was like I don't know if you want if you enjoy this type of thing but so my job I work with women with the menorrhea now like work with this stuff that we're talking about this is what I do Um, And I have this one girl that I did help to get her menstrual cycle back a while ago. And she did it by just like checking the boxes, you know, following the instructions Um, and didn't take that long. She got one menstrual cycle, maybe two. And then the third one, we stopped working together and it didn't come. She was like, I think I got it. I figured out like, this is a, a solid, you know, system for me. So whatever. I'm like, okay, great. Like, I'm glad you got your goal, but she came back, um, you know, like 60 days later, her next ovulation didn't come like her her cycle didn't come so we start working together again and we're going back and forth because it was I was at the time only working with her through email so it's all written which is like helpful sometimes for people to see 
what they're saying, but not everyone is able to see it (laughs) because they haven't done the work. And we're in this situation now that she is like, look, here is, here are my non-negotiables. I need to be able to keep working out for my mental health. Um, I, I have an active job, so I have to, I do like 20,000 steps a day when I'm at work and I can't really help it. I'm not comfortable eating over X amount of calories because I've already gained weight and I'm not comfortable in my body. Help. And that, and like, that's to put it super simply, but there's, there's zero wiggle room there. There's like, Hey, I'm not willing to negotiate on anything, but there's also dietary requirements here too. Like, I just don't like eating this type of meat. I only am going to eat this stuff. So there's not, there's no negotiation. It's like, look, help me figure out how to get my out as as soon as possible so that I can get back to dieting because I'm not comfortable in this weight and I'll figure out how to keep my period. It's like, there's, there's no healing happening in that person just yet. So it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And that sucks. And like, she's still so stuck in um, it's possible for me because once I did get a menstrual cycle at this body weight with these calories. Mm. So I know it can happen again. I'm not going to let go. And I know that I can keep living my life this way. And she sounds extraordinarily miserable and she's very high anxiety, asking the same questions over and over again. You know, it's really clear when someone is trying to get their cycle back without doing any of the work, right? Like to your point. How do you work with that kind of client? Like how do you, or like, let's say there's someone who's in that state right now. What's that sort of like deer in the headlights moment where they just wake up and realize like what I'm doing is not right? Yeah, so... And this is going to happen with this person. We're going to have a conversation um, where I, I tried to do this over email, but like wasn't computing. So I was like, let's have a, a phone call. Um, we have to lay out ex- everything I just said to you. Here is everything you're saying you want. There's no, there's no wiggle room in here. So what, like, if you want me to make recommendations for you, that don't touch these areas, food, exercise, you know, weight loss goals, et cetera. Where do you want me to get, to give you advice? I'm curious what they have to say, you know, how, what other area, you know, and if they quite, if the answer is, is there like a supplement that I can take, you know, if we're, let's go down that route. No, no, no. Like let's, let's discover all of the false hope that you have and debunk all those myths so that you can get to the point where you have the realization you need that you do not get to put your body in a headlock and tell it to ovulate. You do not get to tell it, Hey, this is the plan, figure it out and figure out how to create hormones out of nothing. It's not reasonable and you're not going to figure it out so we have that come to jesus and you know occasionally they're just not ready 
but it's always met with like compassion, right? It's like, look, I'm not, I do not want to keep taking your money right now. I don't think I can help you in this way. If you can find someone else who has a, you know, great. Sign me up as well. But otherwise, like, let's just, let's, if I can help you in the future, if you get to this point, like, let's, let's work together. And I think A, being, you know, for lack of a better term, fired by a coach can be pretty eye-opening for some people told like, look, we're at, there's nothing more I can do if you're not willing to make changes in these areas. Um, but yeah, just like just sitting down and really presenting to people the unrealistic demands they're putting on their body it should be enough. Yeah. For, for people who like are ex, I feel like this goes back to like the beginning of like where your exercise, like if it's not helping you, it's, or if it's not providing health, it's not actually helping you. Do you think people even who like don't have menstrual issues? Cause I feel like people who like get HA, they like, they're either like really sensitive or their bodies are more sensitive or they just have a lot going on. But then there's still those people out there that like don't have menstrual issues or a lack of a menstrual cycle, but are still dealing with these issues. Hmm. So like what, how would those people like be able to recognize that what they're doing isn't actually healthy. Right. Like, because they don't have this glaring issue of a completely absent menstrual cycle. How can, yeah, I think that's so hard. I honestly believe that HA is such a gift because you typically can't ignore it, yeah. you know? Whereas like, if you don't track your menstrual cycle, you have no idea if you're ovulating, you have no idea when you're ovulating, how long your luteal phases are. You can live in total denial. And then you're that person who's like, I get a cycle at clockwork. I know exactly what day it's going to come, you know, and you're telling all your friends how regular you are. You don't know. You might have an eight day luteal phase every single month. That's not good. You have no idea. So I always say, show me your chart. I want to see your menstrual cycle chart before I believe for a second that you have it a hundred percent together. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's hard and, I would have honestly no idea how to convince someone who is very, very happy doing what they're doing and doesn't believe that they have any issues to deal with, forcing them to believe they have an issue to deal with. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say that I am extraordinary at bringing awareness to amenorrhea. We're a lot more in the game of people who already, who have discovered that they have it they'll find us, you know, um, sometimes, you know, we do get in front of the right person, but yeah, it's a tough one. Cause it's real easy to live in ignorant bliss and be like, my cycles are just bad. And this is how it's always been, or my cycles are fine. Not knowing that they're not fine until you're trying to get pregnant and you can't. Yeah. And then you're like, doctor just keeps giving you hormones and says like, it's going to be okay. My doctor just said, you know, take, if I need to get pregnant, I'll, like just come see them. Ah, you know, I don't, I will, I haven't got the time for that one. <laughs> I'm too busy dealing with people who have found out about HA who are reaching out to us. I don't have the time 
for an awareness campaign. But I, whenever I get can, you know, the conversation comes up with other women, I'll try to like insert it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'll do it when I have the time. I have the passion, but sometimes the time's the issue. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. yeah. What, what are, I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah. I think just like having these types of conversations or making like, like I even realized when I was diving into like HA or just honestly like period health and I was having the conversations with my girlfriends and they were just like, oh, I didn't know that. Or like, oh, I just thought I could throw the pill on that and it's fine. And I just, that makes me regular. And I'm just like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> but like, doesn't it, it feels like having to tell every, like let every fish in the ocean know something. Like that is so overwhelming. Like every woman in the world needs to know this information. Uh, how, what, right? So yeah, you just start with like the community that you have and that you know. Um, and I'm just talking a whole lot about HA and trying to make that um, as well known as possible. You know, I feel like PCOS had a real moment in the last 10 years. No one knew about PCOS. Now everyone knows about it. Now it's overdiagnosed incorrectly. So we just need that to happen. <laughs> we need HA to be like on a billboard. <laughs> yeah, it just, it needs its moment. It needs like one of the Kardashians to come out and say, oh my God, like I have hypothalamic amenorrhea, you know? And <laughs> yeah. for it to just like explode. Mm -hmm. We're ready. We'll be there when it is. But I don't know how to make that happen. I think people need to, I don't know, figure it out. May, and maybe I'm like shortchanging myself. Maybe there's absolutely a way to do it, but I'm tired just thinking about it. You, you'll figure it out on your like half a year vacation. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe that's the problem. I can't think about it because I'm too busy. I need to like take half a year off and then just like on that trip, you know, meet the right people that like cause this method th this issue to like come to light but it's good like getting to do podcasts and chat with people like you because that sometimes just feels like it podcasts just feel like the best way mm -hmm. at the moment oh I love podcasts so much because like you actually get the conversation instead of just like a 60 second video where it's like, I can't, for me, it's just like, I can't pour all the words that I want to say in the, in the short time video. On like social media. Yeah. yeah. No. And social media is scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't love it. We don't do like, I don't focus on it too much. Maybe I should. I really don't have any focus on it. Um, we have a team. So we have some, we have someone else who like, creates posts and stuff. And because there's three of us, between the three of us, someone's posting something, you know what I mean? But for me, I don't know why I just don't think, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I just like don't know if I know how to bring awareness to HA through tiktok i've done a couple like i i did one recently that was like um 
are you absolutely sure you have PCOS? You know, there was just like, just so you know, like you can have both, but it's common to actually have AHA. People think it's PCOS. So if you resonate with these symptoms and you don't resonate with these symptoms, you know, maybe check it out. And that was really popular. And that got a lot of people messaging me and being like, wow, like I didn't know about it. So I think like that's an interesting route, you know, of just like going over to other diagnoses. Like, hey, do you, have you been diagnosed with unexplained infertility? Like, hey, have you been told you just have IBS, you know, and then saying like, it could be this. Do you match any of these symptoms? That's a strategy I've considered. That's all I've got. Yeah. (laughs) But honestly, it seems like what you're doing now is working. So, which thankfully. Yeah, what we're doing now is working. Um, We've really maximized Google because people Google these kinds of questions a lot. So yeah, you got to know like where your people are, you know, why is my period missing is like a question you ask Google. So that's like where we managed to get a lot of um, awareness. Okay. That's really interesting. I'm going to have to think about that one when it comes to, cause I know what the big thing is usually is using social media. So like maybe like doing more awareness on like your actual site. Yeah, we don't focus. I think that's like what what I mean by we don't focus on it that much, even though we do post on it. We don't tend to find new people on social media for this issue. That's where people who have already found us will go to stay in touch. Mm -hmm. Um, For the most part, people are finding us because their doctor or someone finally told them about hypothalamic amenorrhea and they've typed it into Google or they type it straight into like a podcast player to see about like a show that comes up because this kind of stuff is like long form information. And when it comes to like health issues, most people, at least right now, it's probably changing, but most people are like, oh, that's a long form type of content that I need to go to like website to learn about, not social media. Like I'm not looking for other people's opinion on like drunk elephant moisturizer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's like, it's like how people use it, but that's not 100% true. There are definitely people who are like typing in amenorrhea into hashtags and seeing what people are saying. I just think that's a super weird way of trying to find information. (laughs) Is that what made you like realize that, oh, we need to do more like the Google route instead of going the social media route? Yeah. Or did you true? Yeah. I mean, I knew from the beginning. I knew from the beginning that SEO, Google stuff would be better. Um, That's why we also do a lot of YouTube for the same reason. Okay. When did you want to like, when did you realize that you wanted to create the HA Society? After like five to 10 episodes of our podcast and just getting um, a huge response that people felt like they found a community in the show but there wasn't yet a community physically. So I just created it and was like, I just, I want to meet these people. I want to get everyone together. Um, and so that, yeah, it was pretty early on. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I know getting a diagnosis can sometimes be like really, it can be tough, but having that supportive community really helps. How do you, cause I recently just got off a podcast with someone else and it was, we were talking about how, 
um, diagnosis can sometimes make you be trapped. So like, how can you take these women from being like, not identifying with HA for forever? Repeat the question. So like, so I guess a better example would be like when some people get diagnosed with like IBS, then they kind of mm -hmm. like identify with their diagnosis. So because they created that community within the people who have that diagnosis, how do you keep that from happening with people with HA? Right. Where they're just like, this is us. Mm -hmm. Where this is just the way we are. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I've never even had to consider or worry about something like that. You know, I think that um, the HA community is so pro this can be healed. Okay. This is not a, you know, PCOS is like, this is a management thing, right? For the most part, you know, I don't know a lot about it, but I think that there's like, yes, you can like totally heal from PCOS probably, but there's a lot of like, here's how we manage PCOS. But HA is 100% reversible and no one seems to be in any denial about that. So we're all pro- um, a 100% recovery. And that's how the community is. So that makes for a pretty positive place for the most part. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that the, the people, I think that's why HA can sometimes be so scary is that like, you can be able to like treat it completely. You just have to accept everything that's going on. Yeah, you, you have to accept it and then stop making active changes. You can't stay still. And that's like the number one thing is just like, well, what are you working on it? Or are you just sitting still? Like thinking about working on it. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, so I have one last question before we figure out like where everyone can find you. And that is what advice would you tell your younger self? Oh, um, just like be aware of the stories that you're picking up on around you. You know, it really, this whole like issue stemmed from many little tiny cuts, um, of diet culture and just like be a little bit more aware, question things more, you know, okay. question things about body image and nutrition and eating a lot more than you did instead of just following. That's some good advice. Where can people find you? Yeah, so we're the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And our Instagram handle is the HA Society, or you can just go to the HASociety.com. We have a ton of resources there, um, all about getting your cycle back and restoring your fertility. Awesome. That's going to all be linked in the description. I had so much fun recording this podcast with you. Thank you for being on. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becca Babbles Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thing that you can do is leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other listening platform of your choosing. If you want to learn more about me, you can do that by following me on Instagram at Becca and Wellness, or by checking out my blog, freebies, offers, and newsletter on my website at BeccaAndWellness.com. If you want to share the love of the podcast, you can do that by taking a screenshot and sharing it on social media and tagging me and the podcast at Becca and Wellness and using the hashtag Becca Babbles Podcast. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I can't wait to babble with you next time.